It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. studio in studio via the zoom lisa murphy hello glad to see you lisa murphy how you doing nice to be here thank you it's i'm i'm doing well i've got a i've got a topic for you first i got a story um the other day i'm out out for a walk uh this was a dogless walk every once in a while i like to go on a walk without the dogs um down the street in the neighborhood noticed some kids had make it made a hopscotch with the sidewalk chalk because spring spring is here It was, well, I mean, it was 24 degrees this morning well, with high degrees. winds, but you know, that's spring here in Iowa. Um, so they made this, the sidewalk chalk and, you know, it's just kind of the standard things with the, the one square and then the two squares and then, yeah. but, but between number seven and eight, yeah, there was this big squirrel squiggle of, of red, uh, of red sidewalk chalk, maybe 30 36 inches before it went on to the next number so it's number seven big squiggle number eight and and then it goes on up to whatever they ended at and i thought that's really interesting i think i know what that is yeah but i'm not sure um and then so i was delighted the other day because there are a couple kids out must have been girls uh probably six and eight and they're yeah. they're playing and so prime, so I, prime hopscotch ages i yeah yeah i i inquired would you like okay. to guess well i'm thinking it's some kind of danger zone avoid this at all costs was my first thought of course lisa murphy you know children it was indeed hot lava of course um, that you had to jump over and the, the older girl she says we just wanted to add some danger <laughs> oh my god that's classic we just wanted to add some danger. And I, I think a while ago we were talking about we were talking about games as kids. I think we talked about hot lava on the the floor was hot lava, and uh, something I talked to Sam recently about too. So I thought it was a uh, it kind of fit in nice there. And so just a little bit of danger in their life. You can't you can't land on the hot lava chalk was was delightful. Well, I I absolutely love that, and now it's making me realize that I haven't talked to you since I went and went to the museum out in California when I went to the Dangerous Toys. No, it was called Dangerous Games, Treacherous Toys We Enjoyed as Young Children. And um, I neglected to add that to the list of things that we could uh, could talk about. We might need to do that one next episode. That sounds sounds intriguing. 
It was awesome. It was really That's awesome. Intriguing. So I, I was thinking yesterday as I, as I am want to do once in a while and, and something popped into my head and I, I needed to get the Lisa Murphy take on it, mostly because we had a, we had a, a violent and wild disagreement a number of episodes ago about stars. Um, maybe, maybe the biggest disagreement we've ever had in the podcast. It's truly a, a very, really, I don't think it's a disagreement. I just, I think it's one of those pieces of our practice that we would just realize that, you just know, like if we, were, if, if we were co-teachers and somebody said, well, Mr. Jeff would draw a star for me. I would say, well, you know, then go find Mr. Jeff, but Miss Lisa doesn't draw for kids period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, <laughs> like it wouldn't and, be something that I did. I'd like, like a hold in your face or, or not respect you because of that. Right. Yeah. And and so to recap, anybody that missed that episode or was, uh, was drinking heavily because it is the childcare bar and grow. And they listened, um, uh, when it comes to a kid coming up and said, Hey, show me how to make a star or make a star for me. Um, Lisa Murphy's no, you figure it out. I don't want to, that's basically your take. Lisa doesn't draw for children. I have books, right. I'm going to be a facilitator. I'm not going to throw you to the wolves. But, you know, I might say, you know what, Miss Lisa doesn't draw for kids, but I think I think David knows how to draw a star yeah. or I might go to the book, but I'm, I don't draw for kids. Yeah. And so for me, the situation was if they're if they're asking for a bit of I mean, if this is like I've never made a star before and I'm looking for direct instruction. I'd say, OK, here's how you make a star. Here's a five point one. And here's you can take this triangle, this triangle. There's another way. And then here's one you can just draw it freehand. And then I send them on the way because I, I'm, I'm big into that that direct instruction piece in those moments where somebody's interested right. in that direct instruction. And you gave me some food for thought. Right. Because why is that then request different than any other requests? Right. And yeah. I. You know, I, I'm like, okay, that there's, there's room there, but yeah, yeah. But, and so we've got these slight, and so this brings us to paper mache because, because yesterday I was thinking about writing up for the Playvolution HQ site, a, a paper mache based post, um, because I think in a, a My process, go ahead, what? what paper mache is, what I know what paper mache is. Not everybody. Oh, we need to. Okay, so paper mache. You take your. You got your strips. Of, well, and this. I guess this is why I was planning on writing it up. So you take your strips of your strips of paper, and you take your. You can use the the pre made decoupage type stuff, but you just flour and water. You mix it up, and then that serves as a glue. And you you put the the layers. You dip the paper in the things, and you can you can make stuff with the stuff, right? And and so because I don't think a lot of people are doing this in early learning, I thought maybe I should write something up. And, and so what I was going to write up was a, a, a DIY paper mache bowl. And so what you basically do is you take an existing bowl and you wrap it in, in tin foil. So you're protecting your bowl. And then you can just lay these strips of, of glue, uh, water and flour uh, dipped glue on it. And then you let it harder and you can add more, more coats. And then you can, you can remove it from your mold and you can paint and decorate it. All kinds of learning opportunity. Just the, the sensory experience of the gluey stuff and, and the ripping the paper and and then the decorating of it however you're going to decorate it all kinds of potential opportunity to bump into bump into learning and and stem activities and all all kinds of stuff and so i was going to write this up and i thought well okay so the way i would introduce this is i would with a group of kids is i'd have the stuff together and then i'd have it there and i'm if they decided to start fiddling with it I'd be fine with letting that happen. But if somebody came and said, hey, what's this? Or how do I, what's what's going on here? Then that would be a time where I would come in 
and probably provide some direct instruction. Maybe there would be an example of somebody, I, something I'd made uh, ahead of time. I would, I would say, okay, you can dip, you can tear these strips and you want them kind of kind of thin because you want them to be able to form over over whatever you're making and uh, you dip them and you put them here then after it's all covered we got to set it over here and let it dry and then after they'd had that one experience with just a little bit more the direction for me then the materials would be there for them to figure out how to use in the future um but that that's the way i would do it how would you approach it you know the answer i would I, I really don't I you would I wouldn't be bringing in paper mache unless I had some kind of something information data observation that I got from the kids and and I knew what your question was going to be just because I could tell where you were going with it. Um, so I was thinking in my head like what what would what would an example be of a reason why I would bring paper mache in. And I started thinking that, you know, I don't know, maybe we were on a field trip. This is what jumped in my head, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, maybe we were on a field trip and the kids got really super into a, a, some a pottery exhibit, right? Or, or somebody brought in a snack in a really cool looking bowl, you know, and they, you know, I don't know. And kids started talking about bowls. Mm -hmm or different or comparing things or how come this bowl held water really strongly and this one where the water was dripping through or coming out you know then paper mache might be something in my tool belt to to add to that but i i and i'm not looking just to be a dick i am hard pressed as to why i would be like hey let's do some paper mache today if i didn't have a reason to say that Okay, that's kind of what I thought your answer was going to be. Yeah, and it's not because there's anything wrong with it. Like I'm thinking, and and it and you're giving me stuff to think about, Jeff. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an ass, but so, but it my, makes me wonder. Like, so when I went to camp growing up a thousand years ago, you had like a plethora of choices. So it was uh -huh. still it was child directed choice, but you kind of knew that whatever you signed up for probably was going to be a little heavier on the adult direct instruction right but i chose to be there so if i wanted to learn how to macrame which i did i wanted to learn how to macrame i didn't know how to macrame and so this lady like taught us all how to macrame and they taught us how to throw clay and make a pot you know but but you know i i got to choose which of those things I wanted to learn more about as a kid. So I kind of, and I would be hard pressed to say I realized it at the time, but now thinking back about it, like you kind of know what you're signing up for literally, right? Mm -hmm. So this woman, this woman ha knows how to do it. I'm choosing to learn how to do it. So I'm signing up for some kind of some degree of direct instruction in order to then figure out how to do it. Cause that's exactly how it was at camp. Like once you took the class, like then you could, you could access that room Sure. No, it was like it was like a prerequisite. You had to take the class before you could go futz with it on on your own. And it's like we all kind of knew what we were signing up for. Okay, so just to make sure I get it right in my head, your the paper mache would come in if you could find some sort of bridge to it. Yeah, if the children were showing me that 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 it was going to be something adding to what they were already doing. Okay, so my follow up question is: you you talk frequently about the need the the easel needs to be out and the easel needs to be there all all the time. How did the easel get in the classroom? Do you only bring the easel out if somebody shows an interest in painting? 
Oh, no, that's valid. No, the easel is always there. The bones are always there. And so, so baby dolls and blocks, are they? They're always there. They might get taken away or added to depending on the interest of the children. But no, I see where you're going with this. I feel like you're playing, you know, let's let's set Lisa up. Well, <laughs> well no, I just it's just different materials. But you so you've got it, it, there's just different well, approaches okay. to these different materials. Right. And, and so to that. I'll, I'll say this, have there been times when I've added something to the classroom because of the novelty of it, you know, like my famous pine cone, not famous, but my, 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 my story of the pine cones, I went and visited my grandma a thousand years ago when she was still, you know, not 96. And, and I came back with a suitcase full of those pine cones that in my experience are very specific to this region where my grandma lives pine cones that are literally as big as their heads right your your, your suitcase is full but it's only two pine cones <laughs> that's right how big exactly they are. right and uh, i think there was like 20 it was a big suitcase and all i did i dumped them in the middle of the carpet a 100 novel provocation to see what happened right i had no agenda it was just something new these kids had never seen anything like this before so i i would i i think probably because paper mache is not my go-to mm -hmm. like you could probably come up with something else that i would be like all right you know like i just i i i I would be hard pressed as to why paper mache would be something that I'd lead with because I don't have that in my world. So maybe that's a, a piece of it as well, right? What is in Lisa Murphy's go-to bag of extra business to add to a classroom, right? Which yeah. I think probably for everybody is going to be a little a little different. Well, I, I and, and the reason I, I I've started thinking about this is because there there are those core things that we we seem to have an early learning settings just because they're the early home, settings right? the, the blocks awesome. and the easel all and yeah. and all that kind of stuff and and i i, I my, my thinking was what's the why, why those things and why not why these other things and i, yeah, I guess it does cool. it, it does come back to this personal interest um because personally if i was setting up uh, I, I i we really didn't have much of a a music area thing. because thing. that wasn't my thing well, I think um, our environments are still, they're always going to be a reflection of the adult. And, and I think there are kind of, and, and actually that would actually be a really kind of interesting deeper dive. Where did it come to pass that these were what we are currently accepting as like the bare minimum of what yeah. would be in the space? And does that mean that, that it's bad to change it or modify it? No. I think, like, I think if it should, if I, I, at least I like to think that I am at that point where if I ended up getting in my room, like a bunch of kids who were super wicked into something that I knew nothing about, mm -hmm. I'm not going to hold so hard and true to the bones just because they're familiar with me. Right. Like, like one year, the ramps and pathways just went like crazy and we didn't have enough room so I was like, okay, what do we need to get rid of? Or what do we need to, like, this is what you guys are needing and it yeah. takes up way more space. So I, I, I think once again, it's gonna come back to that flexibility and control. Like I'm not gonna cling so tightly to that easel, right? Just to keep that example. If absolutely nobody in the room gives two shits about the easel, yeah. Like you said, it turns into a roadblock unless there's people using it. So maybe it gets 
maybe it goes outside where it's still an invitation, but it's not needing to be front and center just because 25 years ago, you know, I was told that the easel should always be out every day. And, and I think maybe that's why, I mean, look, you look at one early learning setting compared to the next, there, there are those bones. And I think so it become, it, maybe it's become tradition and maybe there's a reason maybe. for that tradition, but, but maybe, maybe there's not. And I think we've talked about this before. Sacred maybe. cows make the best burgers, mm, burgers. right? <laughs> and there yeah. might be a time where, where we end up running through the bones through that same criteria as we've run through calendar, right? And the letters of the day and the numbers of the week is, is not necessarily, and I, oh God, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've said this. It's, it's not circle time that's the issue. It's not your schedule that's the issue. It's how is it being executed and how is it being approached and how is it being implemented, right? So we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but everything's still being done with intention. Can you still, like, I feel that I can articulate clearly and confidently why I choose to not draw for children. Sure. Which is different than, well, well, I just, I just don't want to do it. Right. Like there's a little bit more of a, of a deeper rationale as to why yeah. you do. And, and I don't same, you could do the same thing with food. And I write about that in that article is at the end of the day, I don't give a flying fuck if you use food or don't, but I care very much that you can walk me through your intention as to why or why not. Like to me, that's more important than the actual thing. You know, yeah, and, and, and the, 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 I mean, the intention, it's got to be something a little bit, a little bit deeper than I saw something on Pinterest. Yeah. Or it's cute, right? To yeah. Take me a little bit deeper. Um, you know, like, like even the easel being out at the end of the day, you're not going to put the easel out, but you can walk me through why you don't. And it's more than just, you don't like the paint or, you know, something very superficial. Okay, that's going to be different. I, I, we might still disagree, but, but at least you're doing it with intention. Which, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, still, I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm putting the seal of approval on any kind of bad practice just because you could do a some kind of monologue or dissertation on why you're doing it. Um, but I do think it's it's a step in the right direction as opposed to just saying, oh, you know, 20 years ago my professor said that food's not okay to use. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it kind of related to this. We, we've talked about dramatic play spaces before, and how how a lot of programs are locked into the the uh, the, the, the plywood kitchen setup and the, the the one little baby bed and the the dolls and the uh, the plastic broccoli, and 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 we've been I've been urging people for years to break up with that. My my best version of dramatic play space was a a wide open space with uh, with lots of loose parts and. And so I think any way we can move in, in those directions and just kind of kind of pull back and analyze these things and 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 back to the well, paper. You know, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say that's actually a really, really, really valid point. Right. So if if there is an open space with maybe instead of thinking of the centers that we often see as the bones, that there's like a, an accepted like if you, I'm painting an ideal picture. So there's this mm -hmm. open room with a bunch of loose parts and some kind of accessible cupboard or cabinet that's large enough to hold and accommodate paper, paint, vinegar, baking soda, shaving cream, that kind of stuff. The children are going to manipulate that open space to what they're needing it to be. Yeah. And children who might come to the table 
so to speak, having been in more traditional quote unquote environments might be like, well, I wanna paint a picture. And so the kids who've only ever been exposed maybe to the loose party area, not an easel in a pot of paint, so to speak, are gonna get something modeled from a peer as opposed to the adult saying, you know, it's time to paint a picture. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think if given time and materials and, and exposure to adults who are willing to facilitate, children will turn the space into whatever they're needing it to be. Yeah. And, and that's gonna require an adult who is able to see that although they might like a really accessible music area or like a very accessible, you can paint here at the easel area, the children aren't going to create that within the space if, if they aren't needing that. Yeah. And, be, yeah. and being okay with it being the space that works for the children as opposed to the children needing to work within the space that we got in the habit of setting up. Yeah. And I, I think we would both set up relatively similar types of spaces for, for that. And I think the, the disagreement is I would probably do a little bit more direct, what I would call direct facilitating than you would, which is what the example with the paper mache would be. Here's, okay, look here in this cabinet, there's some flour, the sink's over there. Here's an interesting thing you can do with, uh, with water and paper and, uh, and flour. And here's a thing. And, and then it, it's, it's, what is it? It's just, a, it's, it's, it's dropping it's dropping of a new possibility into sure. into the classroom. It, it's it's like um and and that that little bit of direct instruction I talked about doing. It's like um I I would introducing a woodworking area into the classroom or or having kids walk into a space with that woodworking area. Um, I, I think there really probably needs to be some direct instruction on hey here's here's oh, here's yeah, what totally. a hammer is and here's how we do that. And so that that little piece of facilitating and then fading into the background after that, I think is the I have, way I approach yeah, it. I have found that guest, I don't want to call them guest speakers, but like like a field trip that comes to the kids. Mm -hmm. that, that that often was how that would happen is, and, and I'm thinking of this actually like in real time, I'm like, huh, so, so are we, are we going to then put that on pause? Like, I'm not going to stop and make everybody stop their play in order to come listen to the guest speaker who knows how to use a, a, a drop spindle or a spinning wheel, right. Yeah. Or paper mache or whatever. Um, but like, I know when I was little, my grandma, my, my, my dead grandma now, grandma Griffin, she, and I don't know why this was on her radar, but she sat me down one day. She said, I'm going to teach you how to, to cover coat hangers with yarn. So it was this, you know, you loop it four times, you change the colors, you loop it four times. And so you went around the wire coat hangers to soften them up a little bit. And then she taught me how to make a pom-pom and taught me how to tie it. I still have it. I still have that Time one. Out. Can you explain to listeners what a wire coat hanger is? Right, exactly, right? You know, that plastic thing that you have where you hang your stuff up on, it used to only be wire. Like they were from like, and they were, anyway, they were wire. And, and they so were- so grandma padded with, them because it made it, it made it a little bit more gentle when, when kids got beat with them. Exactly. That was my other grandma. No, I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> mommy dearest but, situation but like that was a fun afternoon with my grandma sure. I didn't say I want to know how to do this yeah she probably just wanted to keep my hands busy because she had stuff to do and she taught me how to do it I remember this amazing quality time afternoon I still have it 
Now, does that, did I start making them, you know, and selling them on 1970s Etsy equivalent? No, but, but it was something in my wheelhouse that if it had stuck with me, like I knew where to get the materials in order to keep it going. Right. So have, you know, have we brought in people to the classroom with a skill like that or a talent like that? You know, and, and maybe one or two of the kids afterwards were like, I want to, I want to do that. Or I want to know how to do that. You know, a lady came in one time and taught us to do some origami and like two of the kids went nuts and just started, they were like origami machines. So it was like, so many cranes, so many cranes, um, the, uh, and the balls, the, the fold it and then blow it up really quick and it puffs up. But, but it's almost like a, 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 like a provocation. Mm -hmm. It's a person with something that could be something. And I think, and, 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 and I might have to spend some time thinking about this. The reason for me, why I feel that that is 100% aligned with the philosophy because the intention behind doing it is not to meet some kind of an adult agenda. Right. It's not because it's paper week or origami week or right. There isn't an, an, an ulterior motive like and, and that might be what I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, Miss Lisa was at a party and she met this person who knows how to fold paper in absolutely amazing ways. And I thought I'd ask her to come in and show us like a Mr. Rogers. Remember, he would. I don't know if you watch that or not, but he would show you little clips of people who did interesting sure. things. And. You know, it's like it, it plopped it in. And if it went somewhere, it went somewhere. And if it didn't, it didn't. Um, and, and I totally agree on all of that. It, it, I, I guess my position is just um, why not have the people that are already in that classroom who know the children well be the ones. Because I don't know how to do origami, right? I don't know how to do it. But if I know how to do it, then maybe you, you make it available for the kids who want to do it. Yeah. And so there's, there's all kinds of things I don't know how to do, but the things I do know how to do mix up paper mache, pound a nail, use a screwdriver. Um, I think, I think having those, because it's a, I I look at those experiences because I mean, Nicholson talked about experiences and people as loose parts. I I look at those, those, I mean, somebody showing you how to do paper mache or pound a nail in, in my mind is, is just another loose part. It's something, it's a novelty in the environment they can bump up against. And so I'm all for that. And again, my, I'm not doing it with an intention like it's, it's P week or F week. And so there's something involving paper mache or flour. Um, I'm doing it because. I think think where we're, we're 100% on the, on the same page. I, I really do think that I really do. I really do. My, my concern and I think where 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 we are, like all the other little things that we've touched on aside for a second, I think where our common denominator between the two of us is, even with that paper mache experience, is that there wasn't an adult objective, right? It wasn't like I, I felt that you needed to learn how to do this. It's that I'm yeah. I'm I'm here and I'm available and I happen to know how to do this. The, yeah. The, the thing that's missing is that that kind of overarching adult a, agenda that turns it from an open ended experience, an invitation, a provocation to some kind of lesson. lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thinking about it, the, the other way I might I might uh, approach it is um, everybody is off doing their own shit in the environment. 
and I'm sitting at the table doing my, I've got my, my bowl wrapped in tinfoil and I'm doing this right. thing. I'm and then if anybody has, has any interest or fucks to give, then they come over and, and, and we have a, a, a human to human conversation. And the same thing with, with nails and, and macrame and, and, uh, and beaten hangers. Well, uh, <laughs> beaten hangers. But I mean, I've had that. Ha I used to iron in the classroom. I loved to iron in sure. the classroom. And the minute, and and this is kind of rapidly approaching a conversation as to how when we break up with thinking that we're a teacher as opposed to being that available adult within the space, mm -hmm. right? So let's say that as as the available adult in the space, um, and it happened probably more organically when I was doing family childcare. But like I had socks like back in the day when I would actually sew my ex-husband's socks, if they got a hole in it, like I would darn his socks and I would be sitting there, right? Cause I'm not looking to teach anybody anything, but I'm an available adult. So I was doing other stuff while paying attention, right? And just like you said, if somebody had a fuck to give about what's Miss Lisa doing with Mr. Tom's socks, then, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it, but maybe they'd sit there and maybe we had more of an in-depth one-on-one conversation while I was doing what I needed to do. And we were having this and, and maybe if they said, I want to try it, then I, you know, maybe lace up a needle for them and give them a pair of socks to futz with. So it was, it was so organic, right? It, yeah. it, it came from 100% the environment. Like one time I needed to make a bunch of pom-poms. I don't remember what for, I was probably on a committee. So I was sitting there making pom-poms and somebody was like, I don't make a pom-pom, right? And so you know, she made a bunch of pom-poms. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I like the I like the phrase available adult. I, I like that. And and I guess the other reason I kind of embrace facilitating these kind of experiences is, is that um, my experience is there are a lot of kids who don't have enough available adults in other parts of their lives and and so if you don't have if you don't have the opportunity to bump into how to pound a, pound a nail or or how to bake bread um right. have, have, having those things pop up just kind of as novelties in the classroom is probably a good idea um you, you're talking about the hangers i remember bacon bacon bread with my grandma when i was three and four and five and six years old and it was it was this whole whole experience i was i was amazed also when she'd make other things how damn she had amazing spatula skills oh yeah i mean she could clean that whole i mean i was like leave a little bit of cookie batter in there for for me grandma uh because she could she she could she was like a ninja with a spatula she'd just get every every That's last time bit. frame right <laughs> yeah, yeah. If i yeah. take what you left in the bowl i could make three more cookies <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i, I want to comment on something and i'm thinking of peter gray right now is all of those opportunities were embedded in like they were uh, sorry, I've said it too much. It's 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 organic. It's natural, right? It wasn't darning socks week. It wasn't yeah. bread week. It wasn't we're trying to be pioneers week. It was that we need to bake bread in this house and you're here. So, you know, if you're choosing to stand by me, it's not like I'm saying today I'm going to teach Jeff how to make bread. It's that Jeff is around as I am making bread, which is something that this family and household needs right it's it's that it's the stuff that's occurring naturally that that how children learn how to be a part of that group whether it's a family group a community group a child care group i'm learning how to be a part of the group by observing what is happening here in order to keep this well-oiled machine moving forward yeah yeah and, and to build on that I, I guess my position would be that that all in addition to that i think it i think there's value in 
in people sharing things in the classroom with kids that one, they might find interesting, but also that brings the person that's showing them some joy. Um, yeah. It's this, there's this skill, there's this thing I'm interested in. There's this, I mean, uh, I, I uh, who was it? Sam, I was talking to not, not long ago in an episode, she was, she was doing some crocheting or, or knitting in the classroom. And so kids started oh, yeah. caring about that. And so, so that, that joy piece, and it, it may, it may not spark joy in more than one person, or maybe it might not spark joy or interest in anybody, but it's an opportunity for that spark. And I think we need, we need those as a, as a supplement to that, that stuff that's always there and available in the classroom. I agree. I well, agree. I also think that the closer we get to that truly embracing of a play program, the adults aren't overly distracted on all that other nonsense. Yeah. So I have nothing but time. So if you are a kid who wanders over and was like, I don't learn how to do that, or what are you doing? Or I'm interested in that. I'm not preoccupied with the fact that I got to ring the bell in 10 minutes and we don't have enough time. You know what I'm saying? Like I have nothing yeah. but time, nothing but time. Cause there's yeah. nothing else that's more important than what everything is. Right everything here. is everybody's experiencing flow. And, and then you as the adult, you can sit back, you can do some more observing, but you can also crochet or, or fiddle with paper mache or, or whatever it is. Um, one that came up recently was, was reading. I, I would love, and we've talked about this before, I would love to see more adults when everything is just flowing, just sitting there with a book because you can still hear everything, but it also yeah. shows kids that, hey, reading is something that adults do for, for pleasure. And that's, that's really one of the things that, that they need to see more of, I think, if we're going to have a literate society. I agree. Yeah. I think it also sends a more of a subliminal message though, that the children are trusted that yeah. I'm the adult. Isn't always like eagle eyeing. on yeah. us. Like, absolutely. They trust absolutely. us. So yeah. Hey, let's wrap this one up. Lisa Murphy, you need more of her in your life. You go to ooeygooey.com and click on things. Uh, you get your, your, your forms working. Okay. Now. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. There was like two weeks of craziness, but yeah, we've been, we've been good to go. We cleaned all that up. There was just a, there was just an email bug that just yeah. wasn't working. Everything else was just fine. Yeah. Thank well, you. Good. Hey, this has been the childcare barn grill back soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.